Chapter 24 of St. Charles Borromeo, A Sketch of the Reforming Cardinal by Louise M. Stackpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter 24 The Holy Winding Sheet. Charles Borromeo was in the fullest meaning of the word Catholic, that is to say, universal, in his love and veneration for the many and numerous devotions approved of by the Church. Yet even as the tenderest and most loving of parents will often cherish a special affection for one child, so our saint had a quite special devotion to the Holy Eucharist, the sacred passion of Christ, and the Mother of God. When he took possession of the See of Milan, he found to his horror and dismay that the Blessed Sacrament was often treated with scant ceremony, frequently with actual disrespect, not only in remote parishes, but in the towns of the Milanese, and even in the great city of the plains. To remedy this, he founded a confraternity in honor of the Blessed Sacrament. He commenced the regulations which he laid down for their observance thus. The greatness of the love shown us by our Divine Lord, in remaining with us forever in the Blessed Sacrament, should compel us to show the greatness of our love for Him, by honoring and reverencing Him always, and in every possible way in this august sacrament, making it a sacred duty to do so. At Milan, the members of this confraternity were obliged to walk in the processions of the Blessed Sacrament on Sundays and Holy Days. The devotion Charles felt towards the Passion of our Saviour was no less fervent and intense. He venerated with great affection all the relics connected with it. In his Cardinal's Church of Santa Prasede, the sacred column was preserved. At Milan, the Holy Nail was the object of veneration to all, but particularly to the Archbishop. At Chambury, the holy winding-sheet was treasured by the princes of the house of Savoy as their dearest possession, and it was to venerate this holy relic that Charles set out from Milan on October 6, 1578. He was accompanied by Father Ordorno, S.J., and by eleven members of his household. Father Ordorno, S.J., was to act as spiritual director to the pilgrims. He has given a detailed and interesting account of the journey in his Relazioni del Viaggio di San Carlo Borromeo a Torino per visitare la Sacra Scandone. It is, however, too long to give here verbatim. We can only select a few of the principal episodes. When Philbert Emmanuel, Duke of Savoy, heard of the intention of the Archbishop of Milan to go on a pilgrimage to the shrine where the holy winding sheet was preserved, he immediately ordered the removal of the priceless relic from Chambury to Turin, in order to spare Charles a long journey across the Alps. He invited our saint to stay with him at his palace. Charles accepted, and, after a physically fatiguing yet soul-inspiriting journey of four days, arrived at the capital of Piedmont, where he was right royally welcomed. Bells were rung, salvos of artillery were fired. The prince, the nobles, and citizens went forth to meet the humble pilgrims, greeting them with enthusiasm and veneration. Charles had divested himself of all the insignia of his high rank when passing under the Porta Vercelli at Milan, so there was nothing about him to distinguish him from his companions, but princes and people at once recognized him. All saw at a glance that the fragile, emaciated man, with the slightly round shoulders, the worn face, in which the deep-set eyes burned with the light that is not of earth, but of heaven, was the leader, the hero, and the saint. On the Friday following, Charles offered up the Holy Sacrifice in the Capella della Sacra Sindone in the Duomo, and gave Holy Communion to several persons, and then the Holy Winding Sheet was exposed to the veneration of the faithful. 
I must candidly acknowledge, writes Father Ardono, S.J., that I was so overcome at the first sight of this precious relic that words failed me. The Cardinal had asked me to preach, but I could not utter a syllable. Sobs choked my voice, and tears streamed down my face. I was, as it were, paralyzed by the strength of my feelings. I had seen a picture of the holy winding sheet, but what is a picture compared to the living reality? What tears were shed, what fervent prayers were offered up! Many had the happiness of kissing the precious blood that had flowed from the heart and the feet of our Lord. They did so with inexpressible tenderness and love. Later on the holy winding sheet was carried in procession from the Duomo to the Piazza Castello, in the very center of the city, where, on a raised altar, it was exposed to the veneration of the faithful. The cardinal and the bishops showed it to the people, spreading it out before their eyes. Then, in the midst of exclamations of piety and of joy, the blessed relic was carried back into the capella. The Quarant Ore commenced, and day and night members of confraternities, students, all classes, came in turn to pray and to sing canticles of praise. Pilgrims came in crowds from the surrounding country. Cardinal Borromeo preached twice. It was remarked that every time the Duke looked at the holy winding sheet, he shed tears. Several heretics, having come from Lucerne to see the Cardinal, the Duke asked that the devotion should continue for another day, so that they might have a chance of hearing the Cardinal and might be enlightened by his discourse and that of the bishops. The following day the Duke dined with the Cardinal, and after the repast they spent a couple of hours together conversing on spiritual subjects. St. Charles had resolved to start that afternoon. The Duke and his son knelt before him, saying they would not rise until he had given his blessing to them and to their descendants. Charles then gave them his blessing, and Philbert Emmanuel, turning to his son, Charles Emmanuel, said, first in French and then in Italian, so the Cardinal might understand. My son, look upon the Cardinal as your father, obey and honor him as though you were indeed his son, and beg him to accept you as his son. Then turning to the Cardinal, he cried, I beg you to look upon him as a son. This young prince, Charles Emmanuel, was afterwards to be the friend and sovereign of St. Francis de Sales. At this time, 1578, the gentle saint was a boy of eleven, studying at the College of La Roche in Savoy. We wonder, did he then hear of the pilgrimage made by Charles Borromeo, the archbishop he afterwards venerated and imitated, to that precious and priceless relic, kneeling before which his mother, Madame de Boisy, had consecrated him, even before his birth, to the service of God. On their return journey, the cardinal and his companions stopped en route at Varallo, where he had spent some days, in 1571. This blessed spot was very dear to him. More than a hundred years previously, on a hill overlooking the town, a Franciscan priest, the venerable Bernardino Cama, on his return from Jerusalem, had built a convent of his order and a beautiful church in which he had placed a representation of the Holy Sepulchre. At certain distances from the church there were several little chapels, each one dedicated to one of the principal mysteries in the life of our Lord. There are about forty of these wayside sanctuaries. On October 21, 1578, our saint once more came to the sacred place, arriving about three in the afternoon. Father Adorno, S.J., gives a graphic description of this second visit. From this town he writes, we went on foot at once to the mountain, in order to visit the sacred mysteries without delay. One of us gave the points of meditation relative to each mystery, and we dwelt on them for a longer or shorter time, according to the importance of the mystery. 
We stayed there until eight o'clock at night, when we went off to get something to eat. Up to that hour we had eaten absolutely nothing all day. This late meal consisted of bread and wine. As for the cardinal, he drank water instead of wine. He then returned to the holy mountain, accompanied by one of us, remaining there until three in the morning. This individual felt the intense cold so much that they returned in order that he might be able to warm himself. They only slept for two hours on chairs. Then they gave themselves to prayer and meditation until it was time to celebrate Holy Mass. I have related all this, Father Odorno, S.J., continues, that you may know how God helps his servant in the midst of the most fatiguing work. He is always remarkably well, although he invariably goes to bed very late and rises at four every morning. He eats nothing from the hour of matins until three o'clock in the afternoon of the following day, even though he has traveled for hours without a rest, either on foot or on horseback. Arrived at Milan and warmly welcomed by his flock, he heard that his pilgrimage had caused a sensation, was, in fact, a nine days wonder. Some admired, some censured him, shaking their heads and saying that it was unfitting the dignity of a prince of the church to go on foot and humbly clad through the country. Gregory the Thirteenth agreed with these carpers, remarking that he could not understand why Cardinal Borromeo had gone on foot to Turin. When Charles heard of these various and varying criticisms, he smiled slightly and was quite undisturbed. He wrote to his agent in Rome, Monsignor Speciano, who had acquainted him with the remarks made by the Pope and others. As to what you tell me people say about my journey to Turin, I wish you to understand that on such occasions the principal thing is to do what one considers right and to be perfectly indifferent to the world's opinions. End of chapter 24